Well, I think I might know what you're thinking. And no, this is not a Halloween costume, although I have to admit I've been thinking there's a lot of different ways I could have fun, you know, with this. This is my way of just kind of reminding us as we jump into our study today in the book of James of how important it is for us to listen and we're going to jump into that here in just a minute in James chapter 1. You know, sometimes I think we would be a whole lot better off if we looked a lot more like mice. You know, they have the big giant ears and little tiny mouths. And sometimes we have big giant mouths and little tiny ears. We don't like to listen very well. And so uh, we are going to turn our listening ears on today. But I'm going to take these off while I read scripture. There's just something about that. It just doesn't seem quite right to me. James chapter 1 today is, is where we are going to jump in. And as we'll see here together in just a moment, uh, one of the things that, that is so important is for us to, uh, to, to have listening ears and to listen to what God has to say. Let's start in verse 19 where it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yeah, I just love right at the beginning of this section when he says to take note of this. I couldn't help but to go back to my days in a college classroom or a seminary classroom or you could even go back to further than that just uh, students that we have uh, that are in class and take notes in class. It's always a really big deal whenever the teacher says hey you might want to write this down you might want to pay attention to this this is going to be on the test right? Isn't it nice when somebody says, pay particular attention to what I'm saying here because this is especially important. Now, I know some teachers and some professors, their, their mindset and their attitude is um, that everything that I say is important. And so you need to know it all. And, and I get that. But at the same time, aren't there a few things that are just really transformational, really significant? This is one of those. This is one of those things that literally can transform uh, our lives, it literally can transform our ability to impact the kingdom if we get what he's saying in this passage. And the first thing that he is telling us that we need to get is that we need to listen more than we speak. Listen more than you speak. Let's just start there this morning and, and talk about why that's so important because I wonder if anyone else is guilty of opening your mouth before you open your ears, like I sometimes am. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. There's just so much wisdom in that. So what does it mean to be 
quick to listen. I, I think as you look at this, uh, certainly there's application for the way we interact with one another uh, when it comes to our conversations. Has anybody ever found yourself in a, in a situation where you're having a conversation with somebody and the person is talking and you begin to kind of tune them out because you're formulating you know, what you want to say or especially maybe if you disagree with that person in particular, I'm going to explain to you why what you're saying is wrong. And so we kind of tune out a little bit and, and stop listening. Now, guys, any of you ever do that with your wife? by chance? Anybody ever, ever just not listen maybe the way you should? Because, I mean, the, the truth is that, that, that guys, really all our wives want from us is to fix them and fix their problems, right? Ladies, isn't that exactly what you want from your husbands? Well, maybe not. Uh, but, but we tend to go into fix-it mode sometimes, don't we? And we stop listening. And, and if you figured out, okay, I think I already know what you're saying and I already know how to fix you and therefore I don't really need to hear anything else, then we can kind of tune out. And, and we do this with other people as well. And we just, you know, I know where you're going. And we see lips moving, but it's kind of like the Charlie Brown, teacher on Charlie Brown. You know, all you hear is wah, 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 wah. Not really listening, right? Be quick to, to listen, here is what the scripture is telling us to do. And so, uh, you know, we, we know the importance of that, I think, or at least in our heads we do. We don't always practice it. Know the importance of that in interacting with other people in our personal relationships. I've been reading a book recently on leadership that's fascinating as well. And it talks about one of the things they've discovered even in companies even in corporations that are very successful, is that they listen. They listen to their employees, especially those on the front line. They listen to their customers. I mean, there, there's application across the board for the importance of being quick to listen. But as I, as I read this too, and I read it in context, yes, we need to listen to one another and all that, but really the context here is, is being quick to listen to what God has to say. And the reason I say this is because verse 18, right before where we picked up today, started talking, it talked a little bit about how God gives us birth through this word of truth. And then in verse 22, which we'll get into further here in just a moment, uh, again, talks about not merely listening to the word. And so I think what he's saying here is, yes, it's important. And yes, there's application for us listening to one another. But the most important thing we can do is to listen to what God has to say. To listen to God is such a key thing. And so as, as we look at how do we put this into practice, you know, when, here's what this means in my mind. I need to ask the question, does God have something to say about what I'm about to say? Right? And this is where it comes back to the be slow to speak, right? Because you can't go through that process of evaluating that if you just blurt things out and if you're quick to speak. But if you're quick to listen and specifically listening to God, here's the question. Does God have something to say about what I'm about to say? Let me give you an example. Let's say that I see somebody doing something that I think is foolish or saying something that I think is foolish or whatever it may be. And in my mind, my immediate response is to be critical of that, maybe to comment about that, maybe to poke fun at that person. But if I'm really listening to what God would say and ask the question, does God have something to say about what I'm about to say? I might come across Ephesians 4.29 might pop up in my head. And Ephesians 4.29 instructs us to not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so if I really listen to what God has to say, that may change or it may shut down what I'm about to say. That being quick to listen, specifically listening to God, may enable me to be slow to speak and in some cases maybe just to keep my mouth shut entirely, not to speak at all. Be quick to listen. And then he ties this, isn't it interesting how he ties all of this as well, the quick to listen, slow to speak, and then tied to that is slow to become angry. I wonder if anybody struggles with a quick fuse when it comes to getting angry. Anybody find yourself just reacting and, and responding in anger a lot of times without really, you know, without really going through a process of listening and allowing God to inform and all that. It's just it just kind of explodes and just comes out. And, and when that happens, if we are quick to speak, if we are slow to listen, then that will often lead to being quick-tempered. That will also often lead to being quick to anger. And you know, here's the thing. When, when you respond and when I respond in anger or, or without really allowing God to filter what we're about to say by being quick to listen to what He has to say, when we do that, when you say something, you know, you can always ask for forgiveness for what you've said, right? But you can never unsay what has been said. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you can remember, you can remember something that somebody said to you 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And you remember exactly what they said because many times, especially when something is said in anger, those words, they stay with us. Now you can still forgive, right? You can extend forgiveness and we should do that. But even if you are quick to extend grace and quick to extend forgiveness, you can't unhear what has been said. And that, that'll stay with you. And, and if you, even if you forgive, uh, if, if, if that person continues to, to act that way, and even if they're con constantly coming back and asking for forgiveness, you're probably going to come to a point where you're like, I think I'm just going to stay away, right? I'm not going to deal with that person anymore. And so it's so important, so much practical application here when it comes to dealing with anger or dealing with a quick temper. Man, if we could just train ourselves to be quick to listen, First, And by the way, if we are listening to what God has to say uh, and we're really paying attention to that or we're really even listening to what the person has to say, uh, that goes a long way there as well. And here's one of the things I want to encourage you to do when you're quick to listen, especially this is, is uh, more related to listening to one another. Make an intentional effort to listen to a person's intent. You know, l listen to what what, do, what is really behind what is being said here, right? Because here's what we tend to do. We, we tend to judge a person's intent. We tend to sometimes become skeptical of other people's intent. And if we make up our minds that somebody has this hidden motive or that there's something they're trying to do, especially nowadays, right? I mean, we live in a time where there is a lot of uh, contentiousness and people have very strong opinions on, on different sides of different things and and it, you know, we can just kind of paint people into a, a, certain, uh, a certain category and be like, oh, well, you're, because of this, this is what I... No, we'll, we'll really make an intentional effort to listen to what somebody has to say, to hear their intent. Again, a great training ground for this, as it is for so many different things, 
uh, is marriage. If you're, if you're married, this is a great place to apply this. Uh, and, I, and I'll give you an example of that. And, and before I do tell you, I'm very blessed to be married to a wife that, you know, 90% or probably even more than that of what she says is very encouraging and uplifting and I want to hear it. But occasionally there are things that I need to hear, right? There are things that, that, that need to be said that I might not want to hear. That might not be pleasant. But here's what I try to remind myself. That if there is something that she needs to bring up or brings up for me, it's not because she's against me. It's not because she's upset with me. Or it's because she loves me so much that she wants to make me better. She believes enough in me to say, hey, I, I think you can do better in this area. Or I want to help you become a better pastor. I want to help you become a more godly follower of Christ or whatever. If we could just remind ourselves of a person's intent when it comes to listening. That goes so far. And that certainly is true when it comes to understanding the intent behind what God says to us. And we'll, we'll get into this a little further in a moment, but I think sometimes we view what God says as just being so restrictive and God's trying to confine me and God's trying to you know, tell me what I can't do, whereas we really should understand it as, no, God is, God is for us. God wants to help us become all that He has designed us to be. So, um, listening, being quick to listen is, uh, is, is such a big deal. Uh, and, and then it goes on and describes why it's such a big deal not to, um, to be slow or to be slow to become angry. It says because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce, it says, the righteousness that God desires. And, and I mean, that's kind of a simple statement, but but here's the deal. There is such a thing as a righteous anger, right? You see somebody being abused in some way, you come to that person's aid. You see, you know, children being, you know, trafficked or you see, you know, people being enslaved in some way or, you know, just being oppressed. You see somebody being mistreated. There should be a response of anger toward that. That is a righteous anger. What he's talking about here, and Jesus, by the way, demonstrated that when he overturned the... the uh, money-changing tables in the temple. It was a righteous anger. My father's house is intended to be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. He's angry about it. But most of the time, most of the time, our anger is not a righteous anger. It's an anger because I'm not getting what I want. And we'll get into that a little bit more in chapter 4 of James when it talks about, you know, when we uh, quarrel because we don't get what we want. So I'll hold off on that, going into that further until we get there. Um, but most of the time, the anger that we have is just a, a, a personal, you know, I, I, I don't want to deal with this. So how do we get rid of that? Because it tells us that it does in verse 21, it says specifically, therefore get rid of all the moral filth, the evil that is so prevalent. Here's the bottom line. When it comes to dealing with our anger, if we get rid of the junk that's on the inside, then when those triggers come, it, it, it's not going to spark some type of an explosion. Think about it this way. Think about the difference between taking a, a, a match that you light and throw into a puddle of water. You throw a match into a puddle of water, what's going to happen? Nothing. Match just goes out. What happens if you take that same match that's, that's been lit and you throw it into a puddle of gasoline? Now, you know, you've got an explosion on your hands. How do we keep from having that explosion? It's by getting rid of the filth inside of us. 
It's by getting the, the gasoline out. It's by getting the flammable stuff that's inside of us, getting that stuff out so that when that match comes and when that fire is thrown onto us, it's just like throwing it onto a puddle of water versus a puddle of gasoline. That's what Scripture's telling us. And a great way for us to do that, it says, is by really allowing the Word of God to seep deep, deeply down into us, allowing God's Word to get inside of us and to change us. And, and it says in verse 21 that we are to humbly accept the Word planted in us which can save us. And by the way, let me point out that little phrase there when it says, which can save you. A lot of translations say, which is able to save you. The point that it's making here is that there is power in the, in the word of God for salvation because it points us to the message of Christ. This is how we know who Jesus is. This is how we know that God sent his son, his perfect sinless son into this world, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for our sins because he didn't have any sins of his own to pay for. So he died to pay for your sins and my sins. And then he rose from the dead on the third day and he's alive today. The Bible says at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And by faith, by trust in Jesus, then we can be forgiven. We can have our sins covered and paid for because Jesus has already paid that price for us. But that's the message along with, of course, a whole lot of other stuff in Scripture. But that's the heart of, of everything in Scripture is is this message of the gospel, this message of forgiveness and the message of opportunity to, to have a new life in Christ. And so that's why it says it is able to save you. But it doesn't automatically happen, does it? See, we have to take the message of the gospel, we have to take the message of scripture, and we have to combine that with faith. And when we combine that message with faith, then it saves us. When we hear that message... And even if we learn it, even if we know it, even if we can recite every aspect of it, but we've never really combined it with personal faith, then it doesn't save us. In fact, it really doesn't do us any good at all. That's what verse 22 is getting at when it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So here's the, the second thing. The first thing is uh, that we need to listen more than we speak. But the second one is this. We also need to act on what we hear. Just listening alone is not enough. And James makes that extremely clear. Yes, we need to hear what God has to say. But we also need to act on it. We need to do something about it. In fact, it says it warns us not to deceive ourselves by listening only. See, we, it's possible for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that if I just know what God has to say, or if I just go to church, or if I just whatever, you fill in the blank, I'm a good person, I'm this, I'm that, but, but I learn even about Scripture and know about Scripture, and you know, my family uh, are, are all Christians, and I've got this lineage of faith. You know, we can deceive ourselves by knowing about God and not necessarily knowing God. I, I guess another way of putting it is this, a lot of us, no more Bible than we show. You know, it, it's, it's up here, but is it getting lived out in our lives? Are we really living out and putting into practice what God has to say? You know, 20, nearly 20 years ago now, uh, we started Gateway, and one of the main driving forces for me in starting a new church, one of my passions was to create an environment where we could focus on applying the Bible to real life. 
And part of the reason that was such a passion for me is because uh, I grew up not really understanding as a younger child, not really understanding how applicable the, the, the Word of God really is. And to me, it was boring, it was outdated, it didn't seem to really apply to real life. And, and once I came as a high schooler, we really began to get into Scripture for myself and, and began to see who Jesus was and then really began to dive into uh, you know, learning Scripture and letting that... Tra- it, it totally transformed my life. And so it's been a passion from the very beginning to create an environment where we, in everything we do, we at least strive toward that goal of taking God's Word and applying it to our lives. Not merely listening to it, but doing it. I mean, that's true in, on Sunday mornings. That's true in, in how I approach communicating Scripture, but that's also true from you know, our preschoolers through our children, youth, adult connect groups, uh, you, know, you name it, regen, re-engage ministries, whatever it is. Everything is designed around this goal of let's see what God has to say but then let's, let's apply it to our lives and let's live it out. That's, that's what the Bible's telling us to do. Now, obviously, we don't always do that perfectly, but we need to know what the goal is. We need to know what we are striving toward because I'm convinced that it does us absolutely no good to know Scripture and then not to do anything with it. In fact, I would argue that it's almost worse than not knowing it at all. If we know what we're supposed to do and we're aware of what God says and yet we just kind of push it off to the side, then we just become hardened to it. And there is a great danger in us doing that. And so it's not enough just to listen, but we need to do. You know, Jesus told a parable about this. He told about uh, a man that had two sons, and he asked his sons to go and work in the field. Remember this parable? And the first son said, I'm not going to go. And yet later he did actually turn around and go. And the second son said, yes, Father, I'll go. But he never did. And then Jesus asked the question, which one did what his father asked him? And the answer, of course, is the first son. The one who said, I'm not going to do it, but actually did it. You ever known somebody or maybe been guilty of being that somebody who always tells people what they want to hear? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. You know, we'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. But, but, but never really follow through on it. That's what James is talking about here. It's not enough just to to learn it. It's not enough just to even have a good attitude about it and say, yes, I'm going to do that. Um, But we need to to follow through. When we don't, it says, look at what it says in verse 23. It says, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Like, hey, what's the point of looking in a mirror if you forget what you saw? Now, some of y'all know what you're thinking. When I look in the mirror, I would like to forget what I just saw as quickly as possible, right? (laughs) And and we may laugh about that, but that's actually exactly what we do sometimes when it comes to looking into this mirror of God's Word. We look at it and we don't like what we see because it reflects things in our lives that are not right, things that aren't pretty, And sometimes rather than dealing with it, rather than fixing the problem, what we want to do is say, yeah, I I think I'll ignore that. I'm just going to try to forget that I ever saw that. And we're going to pretend like this never happened. But what should happen is that when we look into this mirror of God's Word, that that it then begins to give us the opportunity to, to 
to deal with some things. See, this is not restrictive in nature. It's not that, hey, I'm going to look at what God says and then I'm, I'm just going to be restricted by it. Notice what it says in verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, what does it say right after that? That gives what? That gives freedom. The perfect law that gives freedom. See, it, it, it's not that it's restrictive. Now, I, I brought with me just for a little fun today. I got some handcuffs with me today because this is how a lot of people view, this is how a lot of people view God's law, right? We've got a handcuff that just makes it really difficult for us to be able to do what we want to do and so we don't like it and we don't want to deal with it and so we feel kind of locked down by it, right? Now there's, you know, you can, you can still do certain things with handcuffs on, but there are some things that you, a lot of things that you would not be able to do. It's restrictive. And, and we view God's word a lot of times, God's, God's law, as being restrictive. It's like wearing handcuffs. It tells you what I can't do. Let me tell you what it really is. I'm going to see if with a handcuff I can reach down in here and find this little key. And it's there. Got my little key here. What the perfect law is, is not what holds us and restricts us, it's, it's the key, really. It's what sets us free. And if you could get the key in there and do it, it's amazing how now all of a sudden there's, there's freedom, right? This is what the law is intended to do. It's intended to set us free. And that's, that's God's design for us is that we find, uh-oh, lost the key. Thankfully, we're already unlocked there so we can do it. The key is this, this law of God that sets us free from bondage. So when you think about Scripture, don't think about something that, that is going to, to tie us down and keep us from being able to do what we need to do. In reality, what it does is, as we begin to live by it, we find freedom. You know, we, we find that, that we are able to become all that God designed us to become. It's really sin is what, what constricts us. That's what keeps us from going the direction that, that we need to go. And so it reminds us that we need to look into this law. And then verse 25, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. Again, you see that emphasis. I think the point is clear here, don't you? <laughs> that it's not enough to just see it. You got to do it. We got to act on it. We got to do something with what we are seeing. And so uh, it's, it's coming back to it over and over and over again, not just a one-time deal. But I want you to notice something else, and we won't spend much time here because we're going to come back to it again um, here in a couple of weeks in chapter 3. But you get down into uh, verse 26, and it talks about those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Uh, the, the point that he's making here is that God doesn't just change our hearts when we come to Christ. He changes our tongues as well. You know, he, and again, chapter 3, read ahead if you want to, James chapter 3. So we're going to spend a lot more time on that here in a couple of weeks. But, but when God changes our hearts, it ought to change our mouths. It ought to change the way we talk. You ever known somebody that just praised God all day long and then just rips somebody to shreds? Maybe, frankly, maybe you are that person. You could talk a good game about how wonderful God is, but boy, we'll let you light into somebody and they're in trouble. That, that's a problem. That's an indication that something is off. 
something isn't right because what Scripture says here is that it should change the way we speak. And then it also says that it should change the way we look at those who are most vulnerable. And it talks specifically here about orphans and widows. In this culture, this would be two really significant groups of people that were not able to care for themselves. Orphans, I think it's obvious why they wouldn't be able to care for themselves. But widows in this culture, in a culture where uh, for the most part women were dependent on someone else to take care of them and provide for them, if a woman becomes a widow, at this time in this culture, it would be very difficult for her to, to support herself. And so he's saying you need to look out for those who are most vulnerable. Now, I think still today there's some great application for us, and we'll be talking more about this in the weeks to come. Um, but, but we need to look for those, certainly, I think that still applies. Orphans is still a huge deal in our society today. Uh, widows, still a big deal. Uh, maybe even you might make a case single moms in many cases would fit in that category. Certainly those that are homeless. I mean, you, you just think about who are the people in our culture that need to be cared for. And James is saying one of the ways for you to act on what you say you believe is to make sure that you are caring for those who are most vulnerable. And I want to just quickly brag on you, our Gateway family, for the way that you do that because over the last, especially during the pandemic, over the last seven months or so, you have done an incredible job of bringing food that we help supply uh, to the Amazing Grace Food Pantry that gets sent to students in Wiley ISD. You've done an incredible job there. Uh, along the lines of caring for orphans, we, you may or may not know we have a, a ministry uh, to foster families, which is a great application in our culture today called Foster Love. Last Saturday, uh, not yesterday, but the week before, uh, they were able to open back up publicly for the first time since all of this uh, craziness has hit, and they served 22 families on that first week. They've been continuing to serve families even through the pandemic individually, just not through a public uh, time to come. But ministries like that are huge. And you'll be hearing more about this as we move into the month of December, but one of the things that, that we already have begun to plan for as a staff is, you know, 2020 has just been a bummer of a year um, pretty much across the board, but we want to try to figure out a way, how can we make this Christmas season as special as we possibly can? And one of the ways that we're going to do that is by really strongly encouraging opportunities to volunteer in our community, to volunteer in areas like working with the food bank, like foster love. I think we've identified 111 slots already that we need to fill. Basically, we went to them and said, what do you need? And we'll take every single one of them. Just let us know and we're going we're gonna to fill the needs that you have. Uh, and then if we fill all those up and have enough, we're going to go on to an, another ministry that, that ministers to the homeless um, in, in our area. So, but opportunities to pour into other people. That, that's what scripture is saying. That we take what God says and we apply it to our lives. Two ways to tell if we do that are if we listen more than we speak and if we are acting on what we hear. May God give us really big ears to hear what he has to say and may he give us really big hearts to act on what we're hearing. Let's pray together. Lord, today we do um, just come to you asking for your intervention and asking, Lord, that you will um, give us ears to hear, that you would help us to have a love for your word, Lord, that, that when you speak, we would obey. 
We, we would act on what you say and not just listen only. Lord, transform our hearts. Let it start with us. Transform our community, but let it start here. And Lord, help us to see people the way that you do so that we love them the way that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.